0: Hi, it's Elise Lunan, host of Pulling the Thread. Today's guest is the wonderful and empathic naturopath Nigba Talib, a woman I trust with my own health. High schoolers are busy, but no one's too busy to help fight cancer. The Leukemia and Lymphoma Society is looking for their next student visionaries of the year. Could that be your child? High schoolers who participate in the seven-week philanthropic leadership development program gain valuable life skills like project management, communication, financial literacy, and entrepreneurship. Forming strong teams behind them, they fundraise for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society in honor of a pediatric blood cancer survivor right in their local community. Hi, it's Elise Lunen, host of Pulling the Thread. I'm an author, podcast host, and parent who built a long career in media. I grew up in a state of perpetual curiosity, investigating the world and asking a lot of questions. In this show, I chat with culture-defining leaders, thinkers, and experts about this rare moment that we find ourselves in and how to think about our own lives and experiences within a larger social and spiritual construct.
1: I think the key is really believe it when you see something that you're doing every day in your diet that is making your hormones off or your skin off it, it, a lot of women know what's happening to their bodies we're more intuitive in that way than than men are. So I think it sounds really cheesy and we've heard it over and over again but please listen to your body because it's telling you something and so I think, that i think that it's just important to listen and make a note of things that make us feel terrible and things that make us feel good
0: so says dr nigma talib a los angeles based naturopathic doctor and the author of the best selling book younger skin starts in the gut a pioneer in the naturopathic medical profession dr nigma has been asked to speak all over the world bringing light to the root causes of illness and how the application of cutting-edge dietary, supplemental, and functional laboratory testing guidance can correct health issues and enable optimal well-being. She's also an expert in skin, recognizing that what we eat and drink and how we move our bodies dramatically affects how we age and what we look like in the process. Dr. Nygma joins me today to talk about all things wellness, from vitamin D deficiency and sleep hygiene to stool tests and hormones. We discuss the nutritional supplements to take to ensure you look like a grape, not a raisin, the importance of the 80-20 rule, and how to establish your personal hormonal baseline through testing. Our hormones are messengers, she tells us, but when they are out of whack, wires can get crossed, leading to fatigue, joint pain, premature aging, and depression, making it all the more important that we listen to our bodies and get curious, putting together the pieces of our health in a way that allows us to live optimally and feel our best. Okay, let's get to our conversation. I know we have our whole catch-up after, but... (laughs) <laughs> um, oh. yeah, no, I don't think I've been taking my vitamin D apparently.
1: I, I know you haven't <laughs> it's not even it's not like, oh, I think I wore underwear today. Like, no, you didn't
0: Well, maybe that's a good place to start. The importance of vitamin D people, so vitamin D obviously bone will just start there since that seems to be a problem for me, but it's function as functions as a hormone, right.
1: Exactly. It's it's basically, it's a vitamin, but it's also pro-hormone. It's involved in so many anti-inflammatory pathways in your body. And as we get older, Elise, we can't absorb vitamin D as well from our foods and from the sun. A lot of people think, oh, I'll just go out and sunbathe and I'll get my vitamin D fix. Well, to get your vitamin D fix, you actually have to have 20 minutes a day full body exposure. I'm not talking like just have your bikini on for at least 20 minutes a day and either your neighbors won't appreciate it or (laughs) I'm not sure how you're gonna take that time to do that. And then you get sun exposure and premature aging. So it's like taking a vitamin D supplement is something that I highly recommend. 90% of us are, are low in vitamin D and the older we are, the darker your skin tone, the less likely you are to absorb vitamin D. So,
0: And is it just, I know you said it's an anti-inflammatory, but it obviously, it has significant implications for osteoporosis and bone health, right? But is it bigger than that?
1: Yeah, no, it's definitely important for building bone uh, density, obviously. But you know, it's, that's not, it's only, that's what it's known for, right? And at least it's known for something huge, but it's good for so many different, you know, hormones. A lot of people, you know, we look at vitamin D as a fat soluble vitamin, which means that you can only absorb it if you're eating it with foods that have fats in it. So that's another thing people will take their vitamin D and Uh, don't often take it with food. So they're not going to absorb it as well. But it is an important vitamin. And it's something that most of us are deficient in. Yeah.
0: What would you say? And I know that you see women, well, you're one of those detectives. So I know that people often come to you when they're sick. I don't know how many people you see who are legitimately healthy across every specter but what do you primarily like what are the easy to fix things that you see in your practice besides vitamin
1: d and the funny thing is it's like every time i run a lab if this patient hasn't seen me before i'll nine out of ten times they're low in vitamin d and they're sitting in front of me saying dr negma i have achy joints when i put my feet off the bed first thing in the morning my feet hurt it's hard to get started and i'm like "Mm mm-hmm (laughs) <laughs> Maybe their vitamin D is low, you know, just among other things. But what people come to see me after, I get those patients that have seen so many doctors. They've seen to so many specialists. They've been to different complementary practitioners, and they're really suffering. And they're saying, Dr. when no one's been able to fix what I have going on. So I'll run a bunch of lab tests Um I always run a stool test on most of my patients because I want to know what's happening in the gut microbiome. And I'll be able to see, even if they say to me, Dr. Nigma, my digestion's perfect. I'm like, okay. And I'll get their (laughs) stool test back and they'll have all sorts of overgrowth, dysfunction with pancreatic function, which then is upsetting their blood sugar, causing them to gain weight. So I'll do like a plethora of tests and I will come out with, At the end of the day, here's what we're gonna do. Here's how we're gonna eat. Here's what supplements we're gonna take, and this is what we're gonna gonna do for four weeks, and then we're gonna follow up and see how things are going.
0: Some people can't absorb certain micronutrients, right? Or, or I think I struggle to absorb vitamin B, for example. But is that typical? And that's what you want to see.
1: And, 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 and that's a really good question. As we get older, the stomach acid actually becomes more we don't have enough stomach acid. Contrary to popular belief, we always think, oh, there's too much acidity. Our stomach needs to be acidic in order to break down our proteins, convert them into amino acids. We also need that stomach acid for intrinsic factor to absorb B12. So we notice as people get older, they have something called hypochlorhydria, which is low stomach acid. And then you get that malabsorption of vitamin B12, which is super important. It's a, B- B12 deficiency is you you lose your hair, you feel tired. It, it's a horrible feeling. And as we get older, that's what tends to happen. So again, malnutrition, malabsorption of these nutrients occur as we get older due to changes in the pH in our stomach and also our ability to digest and absorb.
0: Well, your goals to me, I feel like whatever, I always want what you're having, Nigma because you look amazing and- luscious always how I feel like you one you're not an ascetic person which I appreciate like you are not punishing towards yourself ever and do you feel like that also happens as we like there are too many of us that are sort of aging and we are too we've been too depriving of ourselves throughout life and then we sort of like really hit a wall or is that not so much a problem I worry about that where I'm like I don't want to be desiccated I want to be juicy is the wrong word, but let's just go with it.
1: (laughs) You want, you want to be a a grape, not a raisin.
0: I want to be a grape, not a raisin. Thank you. Thank you.
1: (laughs) And and, you know, as we get older, I mean, I think if I'm going to be 50 this year, so it's like fifties and you 40, I mean, we're aging much better. We have more access to taking nutritional supplements, which are a must. No matter what anyone says, there's no way you're getting all your nutrients from your food. So I think it's like we're more educated than ever before. Women, we're all living longer, and women are now taking bioidentical hormones. They're, you know, taking precaution and making sure that they're increasing their vegetable intake because we know that prevents cancers and premature aging, and it helps mitochondrial function. So we are educated. Like my patients are some of the most educated women on the planet, and I learned so much from them. And I think it's super important to constantly educate yourself on what you can do to live and feel more optimal. And I think, you know, it's not about aging, because aging is beautiful. There's the fine lines and wrinkles, this are, this are sexy, they're kind of, you know, you know, we're okay with Richard Gere having wrinkles and all that gray hair. But we need to accept that more for us women and not have that, you know, compare ourselves to supermodels or 20 year olds, you know what I mean? Like, because there's something really sexy about being 50 and, you know, having some wrinkles and having, you know, but what's not sexy is having this uneven skin tone and darkness under the eyes and, you know, discoloration of the eyes because we know that the body's the liver is not healthy or whatever that isn't sexy and that can be changed that can be transformed easily with diet and lifestyle and I see it all the time with patients and they look younger after I promise (laughs) yeah
0: no but I do you know well obviously I personally adore you and your dear friend but I also sort of love watching you in the wild because you practice life in a way that I really appreciate like you've never made me feel in any way I need to be like cutting you know like you're not I don't know how to say this but you don't preach what'd you say
1: I'm not like too I I, I try not not too strict
0: you're not strict I feel like it's always additive and it's not I know we talk a lot about you talk about wine face and dairy face and gluten face which we'll talk about but you've watched me drink wine without too much scolding
1: and, and I've done it too. Like when in Rome, you do what you need to do. And it's all about the 80, 20 rule. Like you got to live life, but it's about, you know, in moderation, it's like, what do I want during the weekdays during the school nights, I'm going to practice wellness and eating what I know my body loves. And then if I go to a birthday party or if I go out somewhere, I'm going to have that glass of wine, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or I'm going to have that drink or If you don't feel like it, don't do it. Like, just, you know, I guess the key is not to feel ashamed of what you're doing and sort of embrace kind of what makes you feel good. And if that glass of wine makes you feel good, then have it.
0: I really appreciate that about you. You're not shaming. I think that's the word I was reaching for. I'm exceedingly careful about what I buy, not only because I live in a 1,500 square foot house with children who sure have an awful lot of stuff. But also because I try to be conscious about everything I use. In short, sure, I wanna use everything I buy. In addition, thanks to a decade in the wellness industry, I am very keyed into product claims and product contents. This is why I like Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin, which is clinically backed with high quality, traceable key ingredients in clean, bioavailable forms. I also like their Symbiotic Plus 2. Which is a probiotic that's simple and effective. Ritual makes the most elegant multivitamin around. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus has everything you need, specifically nine key nutrients in two capsules per day. Their unique belittin oil is so slick it's actually patented, and their capsule has a delayed release design, which is brilliant and essential, to help make it gentle on an empty stomach. And Ritual studies their vitamins, which is not the standard in the industry. Ritual conducted a university-led clinical trial for their Essential for Women 18-plus multivitamin to assess its efficacy. The results? It increased vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. As most of us are getting far less sun right now, vitamin D supplementation is essential. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is one of the few women's multis that's USP verified, meaning what's on the label is what's in the formula. Only about 1% of supplement brands on the market have the USP verified mark. It's also soy-free, gluten-free, vegan-friendly, and formulated without GMOs. Did I also mention that Ritual is a certified B Corp and female-founded? Nothing makes me happier than these two facts. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com thread. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com thread for 25% off we started off talking about my vitamin D levels because I asked you to run my blood work because I feel so
1: tired,
0: (laughs) but I also feel like there's probably nothing really acutely wrong with me besides my vitamin D. And are you just seeing just general exhaustion, just like COVID level? Everyone is wiped. Is that just the new status quo?
1: Yeah. I think, I think people, there's a few things going on. Number one, most people have by now had COVID and are not entirely sure what they're feeling. Are they feeling the long COVID side effects? Or are they feeling the exhaustion of COVID and are burnt out as a result? You know, which is it? So I'm working with a lot of new patients that have had long COVID. And it's a, it's really devastating. It's really hard. They're not the same again. They're not able to climb stairs or exercise or you know, without feeling immense fatigue. Then you've got the burnt out population, which, you know, they've had to deal with their kids. So, you know, kids have taken it really bad. The COVID has really affected anxiety levels in teenagers and younger and kids in general. I think there's a certain threshold when they're young enough, it didn't really affect them. But if they're like in that past eight or nine, it seems that that group seems to be highly affected. So I think we're just all... Trying to come down from this post-COVID, you know, because it's affected us in so many ways, physiologically, mentally, physically. So answer your question. Yeah. Post-COVID, you know, it's it's you know, people are still getting COVID. I'm still getting messages from my patients saying, oh, my God, I finally got COVID. feel horrible. What do I do? So.
0: But the long COVID seems quite extreme. Like if you have long COVID symptoms, it is obvious right and then you know I've had COVID twice which I had very very mild COVID been vaccinated and boosted as well but I don't think I have that I think I just have (laughs) the general (laughs) I'm in my mid-40s and I'm
1: slowing down vibe so what are you feeling like what what are you feeling right now like what are your you don't
0: quite go like I used to and I, I really have always prioritized sleep. You know, post-college, I realized I'm someone who really needs sleep. And I never really get less than seven hours, but I try to get eight or nine. And even so, I'm just wiped. By the afternoon, I feel like I need a nap. So that's what I'm noticing. Just like that feeling of, oh, I need a bed day. Like I need to spend a whole day in bed. I don't know. But I feel like maybe that's normal.
1: <laughs> it isn't it isn't to feel in the afternoon like sometimes i mean there i've definitely seen a few things that i'm going to talk to you after about one <laughs> of them being your vitamin d and that can cause major fatigue in and of itself you know the okay. fact that you're not waking up feeling exhausted and again correcting these deficiencies makes the whole think think about it it's like a domino effect when you have Full vitamin D. It then penetrates to every single part of the the body: the musculoskeletal, the gastrointestinal. Like it's all connected. You know that it, it always made, used to make me question medicine when I was younger. Like, why do we have a gastroenterologist and endocrinologist? You know, the body is like one. We're we're all connected. Everything is connected. The gastrointestinal is connected to the brain function. You know, like it's all connected. So I think in some ways, when you're feeling that you just need to, we just need to assess, okay, what are we deficient in? What do we need to increase? What do we need to decrease? And also sleep hygiene is also something that, you know, you need to get more strict about the older you get, because it is harder. Our melatonin levels are more depleted, the older we get. So there's, we have to be a little bit more strict about you know, sleeping in the dark, certain temperature, not being on your phone first thing at night, you know, all of those different things that contribute to poor sleeping.
0: For people who maybe don't have access to a functional doctor or naturopath, are there just, it feels like there are just some basics that everyone benefits from. And vitamin D is one of those vitamins that I feel like there's been a whole, probably almost mythology about Vitamin D, po- like you can take too much vitamin D, and I think even if you do, the side effects are quite minimal. But it's very hard to actually even achieve that level. But people seem to be scared of it or averse to taking it. But vitamin D, vitamin B, like what are the things that you're just like, just take it, take it every day. You will never overdose. Yes, you might not absorb it all, but what do you? What's your checklist?
1: A lot of people ask me that. And what I see constantly is, okay, I'm going to talk about vitamin D again. Yes, vitamin D deficiency is huge. B vitamins are you Actually, I don't know if you knew this, Elise, that they did a study on vitamin D. And the people that kept getting COVID over and over again and then suffered long COVID were those with low vitamin D levels. So it's, you know... Interesting, right? And then the other vitamins like B vitamins, B1, diamond, riboflavin, uh, pantothenic acid, pyridoxine, all of those vitamins actually are important in hormonal metabolism. So women, we go through changes in our cycle. Like we start with our periods, we get menstruation, like PMS issues. Then we go to perimenopause and then menopause. I mean, there's one common denominator in all of those, and it's men. They're the problem. (laughs) (laughs) But it is because it's like PMS. PMS is like we have all these issues, right? Like it's like from teenage all the way till our 50s and 60s, 40s, 50s and 60s. It's like nonstop. So the vitamins that you need to take are the B-complex vitamins, because those are what help with your hormone metabolism. They help with the, the bloating and the symptoms of PMS. They're important for so many functions in the body, including blood sugar, metabolism, cognitive function, energy. The list is so long, you know. So B vitamins are super important. Vitamin D is super important. And then magnesium, which I have to report yours was perfect. I was very surprised because a lot of people have low magnesium levels. Magnesium is basically found in every cell in our body. It's used for energy metabolism. It's it helps with sleep. It, you know, I would marry magnesium if he was a man because he's perfect. <laughs> you know, everything, it helps you sleep, it helps you calm down, it helps gives you energy, and that's one of the most deficient minerals found in people. And I was surprised in your case. You must be taking magnesium,
0: are you? Well, so, well, I do take some magnesium and I try and give it to my son to help with his sleep and his restless leg. I'm not perfect about it, but I have, I do take it. And then there's two kinds, right? Like the kind for sleep and then the kind that makes you go to the bathroom. I yeah. sometimes take that too.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, and, and exactly. And if, if it helps you go to the toilet, go for it. What people talk about in their 40s and 50s, right? <laughs> Going to the toilet...
0: it's a critical but it's that's been a lifelong my mom used to feed me metamucil as a child I don't know that that helped me but it's been a lifelong a lifelong experience okay so magnesium and is there anything else that you feel like is super critical
1: well, yes, okay, so we talked about vitamin D, B complex, and then the, the typical vitamin A, the, the antioxidants, right? The A, C, E, zinc, selenium, they, I call them the aces. These are strong, very important antioxidants. Vitamin A is never talked about, I have no idea why. Now, vitamin A taken in large doses can cause issues and is not, is contraindicated in pregnant women almost to a detriment because women that are trying to get pregnant or pregnant tend to have low vitamin A levels. So that needs to be discussed with your practitioner. And I always put my patients that are pregnant on vitamin A, but a proper dose, you know, that that's necessary. ACE zinc, selenium, selenium is helpful for the thyroid. Okay. Thyroid, what happens as we get older, our thyroid, see, it's a very, very vulnerable gland. It's very sensitive to the radiation from our phone, from travel. It's a very cute gland that sits right here, and it's very sensitive. A lot of women past the age of 30 these days, I'm seeing with underactive thyroid or Hashimoto's. I'm seeing those very commonly. And again, selenium deficiency, our soils are deficient in selenium. And then I'm seeing a lot of other deficiencies of nutrients like iodine deficiency. And that is indicative if you have a lot of breast pain, if you have you know issues with your thyroid, underactive thyroid. So these are some of the values that I also test for on lab work.
0: Pulling the thread is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes Max, my oldest, tells me he wants to go in the back of the house and talk. What he means by this is purely the verb. He doesn't want to have a conversation. He wants to talk, to vent and unload, to fill me with factoids. Mom, want to know 40 things about acid rain, but more often to get things off his chest. It's fascinating to listen to him and what he perceives to be injustices, annoyances, and harms. I recognize that in those moments, he doesn't want advice or for me to higher mind him or for me to justify his own feelings to him, but simply to be a container for the one-sided stream, to just listen. I recognize what he's doing because I do it every week too, in therapy. I was thinking just the other week that it's rare to find someone who will just listen Maybe point out some patterns or hold me accountable when I say something wild. Wait, Elise, pause. Do you really feel that about yourself? Or why do you think you care about this so much? But aside from these moments of intervention when my therapist makes me reflect or feel, I'm doing the talking. And it helps me feel so much freer. Thank God for therapy. This is one of the reasons I'm very excited for therapeutic solutions like Better Help. They have licensed therapists who are available worldwide and specialize in depression, anxiety, sleep disturbances, trauma, anger, family conflicts, LGBTQA issues, grief, and self-esteem. BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with the therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It couldn't be simpler. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com/ptt today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com/ptt let's talk about hormones. Yes. And then maybe we talk about a little bit about heart health. So hormones, I've obviously had those looked at throughout my life. Do you feel like most women should be doing baseline sort of Dutch tests and looking at hormones? Or is it something that's not necessarily indicated unless you really think something's a miss or is there is there a version of establishing a baseline? That's always something that I wanted, and then I realized I'd be cementing myself in time, and obviously, my body is changing. So there is probably no version of maintaining your hormones exactly how they were throughout your life. I see you shaking your head. so how do you how do you advise people to think about that?
1: Yeah, well, You said it exactly right. Our hormones are constantly changing. So I don't think that you're going to ever be able to have a baseline per se. However, we can look at a healthy baseline for you. Say, for example, when you were younger, you had PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. Say you had endometriosis and that was measured then, then that would be getting a baseline of when you were in your state where things were diseased or you were ill, perhaps, Mm -hmm. When a woman is going through the changes, if she's experiencing irregular cycles, hot flashes, irritability, mood swings, changes, and even changes in your skin can be the first sign of hormonal dysfunction or, you know, where your hormones are not in balance. There's so many things, constipation, diarrhea, like it can affect your gut. So I always recommend that a woman do a blood hormone test and also a Dutch test because then I can actually see exactly what's going on. I can see how your hormones are metabolizing. I can see the reference ranges in, with regards to estrogen to progesterone ratios. I can see your cortisol, which is a hormone secreted by your adrenal glands. I can see how you're dealing with stress and I can see how your hormones are basically metabolizing. And I can see if they're converting into more toxic compounds or rather getting more dirty the hormones getting more dirty over time, where they're not in a useful function. Hormones are messengers. You know, they send messages to various parts of your body. And when your hormones are deficient or in excess, you can send the wrong messages and you can start to get things like fatigue, joint pain, premature aging. The fatigue is real. And depression as well, Elise, is a huge one.
0: No, that makes sense. Are our hormonal signatures unique to us or are they more... Specific to a certain time in life? Like, is it helpful to be like, here's my Dutch test from five years ago and from three years ago and from now? Or is that, like, I'm just wondering if we're working our way towards an understanding of health that's so highly individual, where my Dutch test might look very different from another 42 year old woman, but we're both balanced, or whether it's more of a, collective ideal. Does that make sense? Like,
1: it's almost like an art being a, a doctor sometimes because you're actually, you're looking at the whole picture and you're sort of, you're looking at their symptom picture, but you're also looking at their diagnostics and you're looking at everything as a whole. So it's like kind of a painting that I've been given like a canvas And, you know, I need to put together all the pieces and make sure that it's flowing properly and, you know, looking beautiful for that patient at the time. Everybody's so individual. So as a 42 year old, Elise, you'll be different than another 42 year old. You know, depends on like your adrenal glands. Right. Like how much stress are you under? How much stress is that other person under? That's going to be the most important is that assessing adrenal function and making sure that those adrenal glands are working optimally and there are reference ranges for where we want cortisol to be in the morning, afternoon, later afternoon and evening. That is going to be the, the 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 you know the template for getting your hormones to work more optimally because that's yeah. going to determine if your hormones are going up or down. Does that, does that make sense?
0: No, it makes sense. I just think, you know, we're treated And I get it. This is how this is, you know, we don't have highly specific medicine. I mean, in some ways we do and in many ways we don't, right? As you mentioned, there's sort of a template or there is an idea of how big we should be and how much we should weigh and what the insides of our body should look like and how they should be operating. And yet we find clearly that we're so different in how we contact the world and metabolize the world. So it'll be interesting to see as the science develops whether we'll ever be somewhere where we're like, oh, I really have an understanding of my exactly what's happening in my body today and we'll have early alerts. Because you mentioned symptoms. I also think some of us are very sensitive, right, and might immediately know when something is – Wrong, whereas other people have potentially been disconnected from their bodies for their entire lives and they have no idea that, oh, I just thought this was normal, right? Like, our idea of what's normal can often be things that we accept, but that are definitely not normal. Like, you'll, you know, when I first met my husband, I love telling the story, but he had so much, he had such terrible gas, like, so much abdominal distortion and distress. Mm-hmm. And Early on in our relationship, he was like trying to hide it from me, which was making him even more ill. Finally, I was like, what? What's happening? And he's like, I've just always, oh, this is just how I am. And I was like, This isn't normal, just so you know. And of course, he has gluten intolerance. Maybe I, he's never been tested for celiac, but major gluten intolerance. But in his mind, when I met, you know, he was 35 years old, he'd never functioned differently. And so the things that we accept as who we are can be sometimes a symptom that's not addressed as a symptom. Does that make sense? Totally. (laughs) Good old Robbie Bob.
1: It is. And it's, it's debilitating because the first, this is when women tend to wake up is, I mean, having an issue with what your husband went through, that's quite debilitating. And a a lot of, I see a lot of men going through the same issues and it's always their wives bringing them in Mm because they don't know where to turn. They don't know if this is normal, but for women, when, when we start complaining is when we gain weight, that's, that's, Mm -hmm. that's only like, they're exhausted. So
0: so true.
1: Like they don't care about how like the fatigue levels, like like, they ignore all of that. It's when they start to gain weight is when they start to go. Is when
0: women send up a flare?
1: Yeah. Is weight
0: gain just sort of a natural side effect of aging? Like we maybe fat is protective and we need to be a little bit juicier.
1: <laughs> You're like into the juicy. I like that. I don't think so. I don't think that. I think that you know, if we were, were we're sitting in our cars, we're not moving as much as we used to. I mean, LA is a different world. Everybody wakes up at five in the morning here to work out. So not it's me, but yes, yeah, that's not true. me. <laughs> Not LA that way yet. But yeah, it's, I think the culture of, you know, exercise and, you know, you see like 80 year olds running marathons now, like, you know, it's, there's, there's no age in which, and and again, the more muscle you build, the more fat you burn and the more muscle you build, the more longevity, there's studies that are linked to that, that the more muscle mass increases your longevity and your health and wellness. So, I don't think fat really plays a role. I'm talking like excess fat. We all need fat. I mean, our brain is mainly fat. So, you know, if I called you fat head, that's actually a compliment because fat is actually important. It's like intelligence, the marker of intelligence. But, you know, I think generally speaking, we're, you know, when we get that belly and that, you know, that excess adipose tissue, if there's increased risks for diabetes, right. heart disease, stroke,
0: yeah, and that's an inco- a really important distinction, right? Because surface fat is typically maybe benevolent or it doesn't affect us. It's that, and you see, you see this a lot actually in people who present as thin, but they have a lot of fat around their organs, and that's deadly, right?
1: Absolutely. And we see fatty liver, I see, you know, fatty liver in 30 year olds that, you know, shouldn't be there, you know, and, you know, we always see people with high cholesterol. Now, high cholesterol doesn't mean that 50% of people that have a heart attack have normal cholesterol. So it is nothing to do with cholesterol It's to do with things like homocysteine and oxidative stress on the blood vessels. Also, again, carrying too much adipose tissue, like adipose fat in the abdominal area can be linked to insulin resistance. So all of those things are super important. And that's why exercise is so important, because it helps with maintaining insulin sensitivity, it helps with increasing muscle mass, it's good for your stress levels. So exercise when done right, is an absolutely incredible and I Personally, like you have to choose what you love. Like I love Pilates. So if I love it, I'm going to do it more. Mm-hmm. You know?
0: You just said when, exercise when done right. So what, mm-hmm. does that, what does that mean?
1: I have seen patients that really overdo it on the exercise and they're already burnt out. They've got three kids, they're running a company and they've got their personal trainer pushing them and they're exhausted. That is exercise done wrong. If you are burnt out, the last thing you should be doing is exercising heavily because that basically further depletes your adrenal glands. So you need to be doing restorative exercises. like I know people, if I tell them to stretch, especially adrenaline junkie is going to look at me and go, oh, there's no way I'm going to do that. I've had to force some patients to do that and say, give it a try for three weeks. Just listen to me for three weeks. And then after that, do what you want. And they'll literally feel so much better they're like i did not realize that this exercise was adding to me feeling burnt out and one of the ways to look at this elise is if you feel more tired after exercise you're not you shouldn't be doing it if you feel invigorated and you feel great for the rest of the day that means you're right you have to kind of make sure that you know sometimes it can be good for people that are stressed out because you're letting off steam but There has to be a limit, you know, because your body needs to heal.
0: That makes a lot of sense. I think as someone who like I can get pretty high on exercise and then I find and I use it sometimes as like a excuse or I use it to sort of try and balance eating whatever I want. And Mm -hmm. I recognize, but as my dad, you know, my dad's a doctor and he's always like, you can't it's all diet. Like if, you, if that's your goal, diet, it's diet. Like you can do a treadmill and you're not going to burn the equivalent of a Snickers bar. So <laughs> exercise in of itself, I mean, my parents are very, very active. 75-year-olds is great. But using it as sort of like a way to balance your diet is maybe not good. I don't know. I don't know. We hear conflicting advice all the time. I'm not a doctor, guys. But
1: no, you, you've, you, you've said something so incredible. And I think a lot of people do that, right? A lot of people go, okay, I'm now going to work out like extra hard tomorrow. Cause I had that Snickers bar. Right. Yeah. So, you know, we all do that. It's totally normal, but to realize that yes, what your dad said is absolutely right. Diet is the foundation, mm-hmm. right? So if you're then exercising excessively, cause you're burnt out and you ate a Snickers bar yesterday because you are burnt out, because it's the only thing that gave you energy, then you're kind of doing it the wrong way.
0: Right. No, and I think that that's that's the cycle that I definitely recognize, where I'm so tired. I mean, yesterday at Legoland, you know, you have to exit out of the gift store, Enigma. You've probably never been to Legoland. And I bought a bunch of gummy like those peach rings, apple rings. Cause I was like, I'm so tired. I'm not going to be able to like make it back to LA unless I'm on a major sugar high. And I recognize in that moment that that's not good. <laughs>
1: <But> <laughs> you made it back from Legoland, that's for sure.
0: <laughs> I was just working on survival. But yeah, that, that's a very familial familiar cycle, I think to many of us. I do it with caffeine as well. I mean, we all do, right? Which is where you're sort of flogging yourself to get through it. And then you'll figure you'll pay for it later somehow. And I I definitely have done that in the past where I'm like, oh, I'll pay for it with like a run. I'm just trying to walk. I'm just trying to move my body these days.
1: Yeah. I think that's super important is that, you know, sitting down and being sedentary, like we're in front of our computers all day doing Zooms, we have to get exercise out. We have to go outside and we live in the most the weather here is beautiful all day long, so there's no excuse to yeah. not sort of go for a walk around the block.
0: Wondering what to give your mom or wife or daughter or friend or godmother for Mother's Day? From someone who cares a lot about her bed and sleep, may I recommend something from Cozy Earth? In fact, becoming a mom and suffering through its required sleep deprivation is where my obsession with sleep started. So it's one of those gifts that might really bring things full circle. After all, women in particular are really impacted by sleep deprivation, which has massive implications for our health. Between the hypervigilance of motherhood and the hot flashes of perimenopause and menopause, we get a raw sleep deal. So let me tell you about giving women you love their best night's sleep ever. Let me tell you about Cozy Earth. Their sheets are made from viscose from bamboo, and they are indescribably soft. So soft, like a bed hug, like no other. Now, I'm not the only mega Cozy Earth fan. Every single year since 2018, Cozy Earth products have been named as one of Oprah's favorite things. Oprah picked their best-selling bamboo sheet set because they're temperature-regulating and incredibly soft, and she picked their joggers and their socks and their pajamas. Meanwhile, Cozy Earth doesn't just make sheets, they also make pillows, blankets, and more. Cozy Earth makes their products by sourcing responsibly. They use the best suppliers with an eye toward quality, responsible production, cutting-edge technology, and premium materials. They're also incredibly durable. They get better with every wear, and they have an enhanced weave that is guaranteed not to pill, even after washing and drying. All Cozy Earth products can be returned or exchanged within 100 days and include an additional 10-year warranty against defects. This Mother's Day, treat mom to the luxury she deserves with Cozy Earth bedding and sleepwear and prioritize her self-care and sleep health. She deserves it. Don't forget to use my promo code thread at checkout for 35% off at CozyEarth.com. After placing your order, select podcast in the survey and select my show in the drop down menu that follows, so they know that we sent you. you. Know what's really actually reassuring is that I interviewed this professor at Harvard, Daniel Lieberstein, I think his name is, and he wrote this book called Exercise. And it, it's an evaluation of sort of all of the biology of exercise across time and going back into our ancestors. And he talks about two things that I think are very reassuring. One, we are engineered to conserve, right? To conserve energy. That's historically, biologically how we're built. So if people feel an aversion to exercise, that's very normal and natural and does not mean that you're quote unquote lazy. That's something that we sort of have to override. But also... Because our ancestors and their food sources were very different, clearly, and they had a lot less access to energy and a lot less access to calories than we do. By, and they had to earn their calories. But they spent a lot of their days in a very sedentary state preserving calories. So to actually meet the PAL is what it's called – of our ancestors isn't that hard. It doesn't actually require much from us. It's not it's not a dramatic difference. They're not they weren't like triathleting every day in the way that I think that we've been sold that story of mm. like our ancestors were crossfitting maniacs like at it all day. No. So we can bridge that gap. It's just it's it, we have to in some ways move against our biology. But I thought that was a fascinating book and and profoundly reassuring both in I think it's 150 minutes a week, moderate intensity exercise, and then maybe some walks, some stretching.
1: Like 20 minutes a day. Yeah, exactly. And that makes sense. That makes sense. And I think when you're trying to work to a goal that's impossible, you're just not going to do it. Right.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And we're, we're, we're engineered to try to survive, you know, and I think that that's where it's funny when we distort our body, which, of course, modern life does, always trying to get back to that place of balance. But piling it on isn't always, always the right thing either. So you mentioned heart, heart disease and cholesterol. Like, do you worry? I mean, obviously, there's an epidemic of heart disease in women and we're not, our, our, our symptoms are different. Right. Different. Yeah. Do you worry about that with your patients?
1: I do. I do. There, you know, it's a silent killer. We hear that so many times and there's usually no symptoms. Fatigue is just one of the symptoms. And how many illnesses could that be related to? So it is. So I'm constantly measuring markers like homocysteine, C-reactive protein, cholesterol does play a role, you know, in the, the risk for, you know, stroke, but I'm, I'm looking at blood sugar levels as well, because that is one of the most important, like hemoglobin A1C, I'm seeing, you know, upwards in the area of 30 to 35% of my patients have abnormal levels of this. And this is high blood sugar, high glucose in the blood for over a period of 12 to 14 weeks. So it's a good indicator that that person is pre-diabetic, that person is met- not metabolizing their blood sugar, the insulin is I- I- insensitive, and that plays a huge role with, you know, risk factors for cardiovascular disease, not just diabetes, but, you know, all the cardiovascular yeah.
0: No, you mentioned cholesterol. And as you saw, I have, I've had hereditary high cholesterol since I was a tiny slip of a child. So I have never had a cholesterol level below 200. Even at that, you know, when I was a child, my parents put me on a very restrictive diet because at that point, cholesterol was everything. It was like an emerging holy grail of medicine. And even though they were like, this doesn't make any sense, (laughs) my brother and I and my dad all have very high cholesterol. So they, I think maybe got my cholesterol down to 180 by putting me on a depriving diet as a nine-year-old, but I've always had it. So do you discard I've sort of always discarded it. But do you is it when it suddenly emerges as a factor that it becomes problematic? Or is it not? Do we just not really understand it at this point?
1: That, that is such a nice, great way of that you asked that. There are two aspects of that. The fact that you have a, a, a genetic per, a propensity towards high cholesterol, we need to look at you as, okay, your baseline, is it's probably safe, you know, but what we wanted, what I would want to do with you is I would want to increase your cardiovascular exercise. So know that- more endurance, cardiovascular increases HDL cholesterol, which is protective. So I would want to get you on a few botanicals and herbs that would help with your liver and getting rid of any kind of excess cholesterol that's dirty and causing could clog arteries down the road and all of that. So I'd want to work on that. And I would want to work on your elimination, which means I would want to make sure that you're going to the toilet every day because that's the way your body eliminates the cholesterol. A lot of people forget that, you know, the only way to get rid of it is by pooing it out, basically. So we got to make sure that we're optimizing bowel function. We're also optimizing your diet, rich in things like flax seeds and chia seeds that are going to actually help facilitate bowel movements and empty the intestinal. You want to be able to be constantly emptying and getting rid of that excess cholesterol. We don't wanna build more on top of whatever is there genetically, for whatever reason your body's producing more cholesterol. Actually, cholesterol is not a bad thing. It's like the mother to all the sex hormones. So a lot of people that actually are on statin drugs or actually have low cholesterol are those individuals that tend to have poor hormone function. So- Cholesterol is actually not a bad thing. Again, remember I said to you, 50% of people who have, have a heart attack have normal cholesterol. So I would look at other factors in your bloods like homocysteine, C-reactive protein, lipoprotein A. These are some markers that would increase your risk for um, heart attack and illnesses. So I would make sure that I, I look at all of those factors, get a baseline and again, improve your overall elimination of any excess cholesterol.
0: Do you feel like there's anything else that you're seeing that like, if you could speak to women everywhere that you would want them to pay attention to?
1: Yeah. I mean, I I think the key is really believe it when you see something that you're doing every day in your diet, that is making your hormones off or your skin off. It, It, a lot of women know what's happening to their bodies. We're more intuitive in that way than, than men are. So I think it sounds really cheesy and we've heard it over and over again, but please listen to your body because it's telling you something. And so I think that, I think that it's just important to listen and make a note of things that make us feel terrible and things that make us feel good. Like I know for me, I know those chia puddings that, you know, I make, they make me feel amazing. Like I actually feel energized. I feel great. And so I try to incorporate more of that throughout the week. I know that dairy makes me feel awful. I get congested. I get, you know, I don't normally am a person that gets pimples or acne, but if I do, I will get lo and behold a spot here or one here. And it's just like, you know, we know what foods and what things are making us feel worse. So, you know, just make a mental note of, okay, these are the foods that don't make me feel good. These are the foods that make me feel good. And follow that because that will go a long way.
0: Yeah. In terms of arriving at that, because obviously, we all have sort of messy walls, right? And it's hard to actually know with any force, like, or any assurance, oh, it was that. And food sensitivity tests can be sort of all over the place, right? Based on your current diet. Do you just recommend everyone sort of try and do an elimination diet for a certain amount of time and then introduce things one at a time? Or how do you how do you look at that?
1: Yeah, it it is it is a lot of work. So if a food intolerance test is great because, you know, even though it's not a hundred percent and it is gonna be based on your current diet. It's still important and there's some things that you would probably never guess that would be an issue for you without doing it. So that's one way. If you can't do that, elimination diets always been the gold standard. So look at what you do every day. So if you're eating eggs, you're doing dairy and you're eating one of the food groups like gluten, sugar, dairy and wine. Follow the four week plan in my book because it does really give you a nice guide while keeping you eating really nice and healthy. So I find that people that do the four-week plan and eliminate all those foods, most of them have an amazing outcome.
0: Yeah, I know, it's sad.
1: Well, listen, listen to your body. It's saying no. There, And the thing is, at least there are alternatives to these. I right? know. And that's the beauty of it. And I think it's just, it's not shaming yourself. It's not making yourself feel bad. It's just like, this is what my body likes and I'm going to try it. And, yeah. and not feel bad about you know, having it, if you have it, you'll feel it.
0: If you can't tell, I love Nigma, She really always comes from a place of deep support and not scolding or shaming or restricting. And she is entirely reasonable and has intervened many times in my health to keep me on track. She has a book that's full of information and she really focuses she also does incredible facial so she's very focused on the skin and the way that it often telegraphs what's happening deeper in our bodies. So for those of us who use that this a tentpole, she is your guide. Thanks again for joining. I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode